0: Today, Matt has assigned me to come up here and talk to you about a few things of God. And it's funny because I normally, when I do this, like th- it could be like three weeks, it could be four weeks, it could be a month, Matt will say, oh, I really want you to speak on this day. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, do you want me to speak on anything in particular? And he usually says no. So I can just pick anything I want to. And usually I have it right then and there. I've either been thinking about something or God just kind of drops it in my spirit and I'm fired up about it. And then I kind of just have to build you know kind of a message around it and the more I tried this time to do that and I've had like a month at least it just became a hot mess I couldn't find one thing that I really wanted to talk about I was like God what do you want me to do I don't know what you want me to do God and so I started thinking about Thanksgiving and I felt like God was just saying you know it's kind of like a Thanksgiving meal right there's kind of the star of the meal like the turkey or the ham or whatever your family does Uh, for my family it's turkey right that's kind of the star of the show But that's not what everybody comes from, right? Some people want other stuff. Like they're coming for the mashed potatoes and gravy or the stuffing. I never really liked stuffing. I'm kind of liking it more now that I'm getting older. (laughs) (laughs) Mashed potatoes and gravy, that's my thing, right? Maybe cranberry sauce, maybe the green bean casserole. My uh, mother-in-law makes an amazing cream corn. I'm coming for that. I I want the turkey, don't get me wrong, but I want that cream corn. Um, in fact, it's funny is every once in a while, their family will get together and say, okay, let's edit the menu because it's too much. It's too much to do. And someone will say, well, let's take out this. No! Like, someone will just get all fired up. You're like, really? You can fire it up over that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, anyways. So, online, it's funny because Matthew said, what's the topic today? And I went, I don't know, Thanksgiving. I, I, can't, I, I put online, it's random thoughts with Chuck, all right? Or you could call it a Thanksgiving meal, or scrambled eggs, or, or whatever, I, I think it's kind of the, some essential things that I wanted to talk to you about, that I felt God wanted me to talk to you about. So kind of four essential things overall, uh, but it'll all come together, I promise. Just like at the end of that Thanksgiving meal, it all comes together, I hope. All right, anyways, I say this all the time to our leadership, and actually leadership in other churches that I get to talk to from time to time, I feel like our generation is so not curious, and I've said that to you before as well. We're so not curious. We're so not. I feel like we're not hungry enough for the things of God sometimes, and not that we don't believe in God, not that we don't read our Bibles from time to time, but I feel like we're not that curious. When I first got saved, and maybe I'm just a big weirdo, I don't know, but I go to church like, I mean, four or five days a week, and it was back in the Haiti of Calvary Chapel, and I. I Sunday morning was Chuck Smith, Sunday night was Chuck Smith, Monday night was Greg Laurie, Wednesday night was Chuck Smith again, Thursday night was Chuck Misler, I'm like, are you kidding me, it was awesome. And then I'd go to other conventions that come in town, I was so fired up because I was curious and I really wanted to understand what I was getting into. I didn't wanna be part of some weirdo club that just got together because they're supposed to, that was not my heart. But I feel like in this generation now and the longer we kinda go here, I feel like people are less and less curious. I don't see that as much. I don't hear people ask a lot of questions. And I know we have a lot of people in our church who are really, really wise, really wise, and have been through a lot of wars, not physical wars, but spiritual battles, spiritual wars. I've been in those, many of those with them. And I can tell you they have so much wisdom to give. And I don't see a lot of interaction there. And I really believe, I'm like, God, why is that? Why This is driving me nuts. Why is that? And I really feel like we don't read the Word of God enough. I'm not saying we don't read it. We obviously study it here on Sunday mornings, and we have different Bible studies. I just think we don't do it enough. And I'm going to show you why today. But I really feel like, although I, I love Twitter and Facebook, I'm on Twitter. In fact, I had to shut my Twitter off to do this today so I could read my Bible on my phone, or else I'd be getting updates on Chargers and NFL and basketball and whatever. <laughs> Got to shut that down. So I like Twitter. I like Facebook. I like all Snapchat, all that stuff. It's all great. I participate in that. But I really feel like it's almost like a weapon for the devil to just limit our thinking and limit our conversation. Because if you're not getting it in 60 characters or less, you're out. Right? It's like the person who posts something on Facebook, and then it says, read more, and you have to, you're like, oh, really? Can I read? And man, if I hit that thing and there's a whole other page, I'm out. I'm out. Okay, but it's kind of conditioning us to not, sorry, Chris, I'm not spitting on you over here, to to not read enough, anything, I think, right? Unless you're a doctor or a lawyer, you're not reading enough. And I really believe that we need to read the Word of God more, and we need to interact with the Word of God more because it's what a Christian does. And I know it's a different generation, and we have different mediums now that we communicate through, but we still need the fundamentals of having the Word of God In our hearts. Thank you, Matthew. Um, So Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Jesus is talking about how Christianity is not um, kind of a sitting type sport, right? We do sit sometimes, but it's not. It's an active sport. It's an active thing. It's an active religion. It's not you come, light a candle, get out of there. It is you interacting with God. And if we're not doing that, if we're not seeking him, then we're not finding. It says in Revelations, he says, you know, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll have supper with you and I'll fellowship with you. But guess what we have to do? We have to get up and we have to open the door, right? And if we don't open the door, he's not coming in. We have to be participating with God. We have to be Uh, more thoughtful that way. So my first random thought of Chuck Ruth is we need to be reading and interacting with God. Um, How does this work? I'm going to read John chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. This is Jesus talking. You want to know I know? Red Red letters. Yeah, yeah, I'm cheating. I know. I'm sorry. All right. So anyways, it says, most assuredly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door uh, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He calls them by name. Jesus calls you by name. Did you know that? He's not just a random call. He calls you by name. And he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I love that scripture. Jesus is our shepherd. He says we should know his voice and and know his voice so good that the voice of a stranger we're not going to follow. So as Christians, we have this available to us where we can hear God's voice so good. And that might come in different ways for different people. They might explain it different ways. I know how I hear God's voice. It's not audible ever, in my opinion, under my experience, not my opinion, but for me personally, but I know how I hear God's voice. And the voice of a stranger I won't follow. And if we don't know that, if we don't understand how to do that, if we're not curious about that, then when the voice of a stranger comes, we might follow him and get into trouble or fall away or sin or be hurtful to other people because we're not following the voice of our shepherd. All right. There's a great video on uh, YouTube, which I've mentioned before. And I think I saw this at the warehouse. I think it was Brian Olson, maybe. But he did a study, and he, he wanted to play this video. And you, I don't have it because we don't have that set up here today. But you should go home and watch the video on this shepherd. He has, like, a tour group or something with him, right? And he's, they're standing in his field, and the sheep are way off in the distance all around. You can kind of see him way out there. And he's standing there. He's like, okay, guys. And there's different people with different ages. Uh, different, you know, male, female, different careers, different, just a whole bunch of random people, right? And he goes, okay, this is how I call my sheep. And he, I forget what he does, sheep, 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 you know, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, he <laughs> yeah, sheep. you know. But he says, okay, this is how. I, it's exactly how I call them. They know I, I want them to come right now, but so I want you to try. And so one by one, they get up there and they're like, sheep, cheep, sheep, dip, Ah, and then they're not coming. And they try to yell louder and they try to be more quiet and they just they, they try everything they can. And each one comes up, and each one fails. The sheep don't even look. They're not, it's not that they looked and go, okay. No, they don't even look. They're just doing their own thing. And then he finally is the last one to get up there, and he calls them, and boom, they're sprinting across this giant field to come to their shepherd. It's amazing to watch. But that's what Jesus says that we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be so in tune with him that when we hear a voice of a stranger, we're like, nope, not going to follow that. Not going to follow that. But when we hear his voice, we follow, right? And it says he leads us into to green pastures and by still waters, and he restores our soul, right? Psalm 1. But if we follow the voice of a stranger, that's when we get in trouble because he goes on later in this chapter to say the one who comes who is the stranger is the devil, and he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you're following the wrong person, That's what could happen to you, your family, your friends. You want to follow the voice of our shepherd, but that takes time and effort to learn. So I have a story for you. It's called the Marriott story. Matthew and Sheila, you'll like this. (laughs) I used to be a waiter at the Marriott a long time ago. In fact, that's where I met Andy, my wife. She was a hostess, but they had a lot of waiters and a lot of hostesses, right? So where I'm at the Marriott, it's really busy. It's before downtown Disney, so we would just get slammed with these conventions, packed, And we had huge, I mean, it was, our restaurant was bigger than this floor right here. It was huge. And we had like 10 waiters working different stations, but we had so many seats. There'd be empty seats in the back, empty stations, so they could kind of fill the back with walk-ins, right? And so we would be so trained so well that we would be on top of our station and they're, hey, Chuck, you you want that pickup right there? Okay, good. You can go. And they would do it. There was rules to this, right? So the first server in, you would get the first chance at a pickup, extra money, second server and third server. They were supposed to do it that way. And everybody knew those rules. But there, like any other restaurant I've ever worked at, were cheaters, right? Liars, cheaters. I mean, they would steal from the company. They knew ways to work checks, so they would get the whole check and put it in their pocket. We even had a name for it. It was like the Brandy Pocket or something. I don't know. People would steal. Um, They would cheat on things, and they'd find a way to kind of connive the managers. And so they would get more money, and they would win contests, Uh, through their kind of nefarious ways. And then what they would do, this is important for the story here, they would then get the hostesses and they would give them their prizes or take them with them on their trips or pay them extra money and they would get better tables, right? So if a two-top walked in of like 105-year-olds and they sat down, they would skip that server that was cheating and giving them extra money and they'd give it to the one who didn't do that. This is kind of the stuff that happens in restaurants all the time. So there was an order. We were busy. I'm working at the Marriott. I'm flying around. My station is slammed. Everybody else's station is slammed. I see. I know I'm next because I'm fifth, and they've already got the fourth person. I'm next. 25 top going in the back. Yes, I'm in. There's only one problem. I did not get the 25 top. And now I'm looking at that, and I am hot, man. I am, which that happened all the time too, right? Any server would be, what? That is, blah. they'd fly up to the hostess stand, yell at the hostesses. They'd go to the manager. He'd complain to the manager. And guess who got those, that table, that 25 top? It was the cheaters. A couple of cheaters got that table. So I'm mad, and I'm busy, and I don't have time for this, but I'm going up there, and I'm going to tell them what for, right? I'm going. So I'm flying, and I got like two steps right here, and then I'm on the floor, and I go around the corner, and that's the hostess, so I'm close, and I'm going. And I hit the top step of my station, and I, it was the weirdest thing. I clearly heard God's voice, not audibly, but inside how I know I hear God, where are you going? And I stopped it in my tracks, and there are people flying around me, busboys, servers, managers, and I'm like, what do you mean, where am I going? I, I just got ripped off, God. Didn't you see that? I saw it, but I'm asking you, where are you going? I, I'm going to go up there and tell them off. Are you kidding me? I am getting ripped off, God. Look, I tithe off this money. You should be concerned about this. <laughs> so, no, I want to know where you're going, though. I'm going to go up there. Why? And so that day I'd been reading uh, Philippians 4.19, or that week or whatever. I'd just kind of been pondering it and thinking about it where it says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And so he goes, well, I thought I was going to supply your needs according to my riches and glory. So now I'm literally standing there, people flying around me, and I'm like stunned. Like I'm standing in my face, i like, what, what do you want me to do then? I don't get it. He goes, I thought I was going to supply your needs. I know that, God, but this, this is not fair. He goes, well, you can either have the hostesses provide your needs according to their riches, Or the manager supply your needs according to their riches, or you can trust me, because that was the whole point of that scripture—that I'm the supplier of your needs. I don't want you going up there and acting like a maniac, which I had done before. You can ask Andy; (laughs) he still vividly remembers some of those moments. You know, but look at—you're supposed to be a Christian, for one. You're not supposed to be going there yelling at people, and for two, you don't know what's happening. I'm in control. I know what tables are coming in. I'm your God. I'm your provider. Is that not what you've been studying? okay, God, fine. Oh, all right. All right, fine. So I just go back to my tables, go back to my station. And the great thing about that story is that the two cheater servers who got that 25 top totally got burned. I mean, bad. It was a terrible table. It looked like a great table. It wasn't a great table. They were cheap. They were cheesy people. They didn't they complained. They got stuff taken off their, their, their order, and they didn't tip. They, didn't, they couldn't add the automatic tip. No, I don't want that. And so they totally got burned. And me and another server, who, by the way, wasn't a cheater, we were now next, I guess, and we got the next table, and we made a killing on that table. That's a true story. Wow. Now, I learned from that. I learned that, look, you have to interact with the Word of God. It's not just reading it or coming here, right? It's reading it and living it. And allowing the Holy Spirit to come alive in you. I had no idea God was going to do that that day. I had run up to the hostess station a million times. But all of a sudden, that word came to life inside my heart. And I can tell you, it changed me. I was a different person after that. Because I thought, okay, wow, that was amazing. You know, and I started to trust God more. Because I was reading his word, but I was also living it and letting God speak to me. And because I know the voice of my shepherd. Amen? That's how we want to live. Proverbs uh, 3, 5, 3, 8 says, lean not on your own understanding, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Very powerful. Um, Okay. My next point. Random thought. Thankfulness. All right. So Pastor Matthew did a great job talking about thankfulness. I really don't have a lot to add to that, which I kind of knew was going to happen. I was kind of really taking copious notes so that, you know, when I got to this day, if I did want to talk about thankfulness, I would have something to say. Uh, in fact, the story about the lepers, I was going to go over that story. Um, so Matthew covered that last week and he did a great job of it. So I just wanted to kind of mention one thing about that story. And it was the, it was the, the thankfulness, right? That the 10 leopards went, leopards, I keep saying leopards, <laughs> the 10 lepers went, I was in this when I was going over this too. I go, God, they're not lepers, they're leopards, they're lepers. The 10 lepers went. There might have been leopards there. You don't know. Right? You weren't there. So those lepers, lepers go, and only one comes back. And it's funny. The one that came back wasn't even an Israelite. He was, he was a Samaritan. right? He was like some scumbag is what they thought. He's the one that came back. And it's the same thing uh, with the good Samaritan story, right? That the, all the people of God supposedly walk by this poor person who's beat up on the side of the road. And who comes and saves them and takes care of them? The Samaritan. And God does that a lot in the Bible where he'll point out that, hey, my people have a really bad habit of not being thankful, not being helpful. It's not something new in our generation, it's every generation. And it's amazing that the one that comes back is a Samaritan. He's like, where are the other nine? Where'd they go? in Romans chapter 1, and I'm, I was going to read it, but I'm not, I don't have enough time to do that. But in Romans chapter 1, Paul goes over um, people falling away from God. And he has all these things about how they, they, don't, they don't retain God in their knowledge. And even though it's built into them, like a computer's hardware, right? It's not something they added later, like a photo or, or an app. It's built into their hardware. If you erase the, the hard drive and you rebooted it to factory sta- uh, standards, God's knowledge in you would still be there. It's hardwired into you, so that there, it says you're without excuse. If you f- walk away from God, if you never follow God, or if you ignore God, and as people try to witness to you, you're without excuse because it's built into you. So he talks about that. But one of the things he says, and it's almost it almost stands out because it's weird, is and they weren't thankful. They weren't thankful. And if you listen to Paul or if you listen to Matthew you listen to any great man of God, they'll talk all the time about thankfulness. Paul is constantly saying, I thank my God for you. When I start praying for you and I think of you, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And there's even stories about the children of Israel, about how one of the main things that caused them to go astray so many times, because you just read it and you're like, dude, what are you guys doing? Are you serious? But one of the key things is that they weren't thankful. They weren't grateful. God had done all these miracles for them. God had taken them from a life of complete bondage and abuse and slavery, and he rescued them, and they weren't thankful, and it was one of the key things. It wasn't the only thing, but one of the key things that drove them away from God, and it's my experience that that's true with us, too. And In fact, if you ever listen to me pray, and Matthew, I know it's the same way, I'm always starting out by saying, Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for whatever, for this day, for my birthday that I'm alive to see another year, for the new year that I'm alive to see a new year. I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thankful for my pastors. Thank you, Father. It's the first thing I try to say anytime I pray. And then I'll go into, okay, now, God, I need this, right? But I want to be thankful. I want that to be part of who I am because I don't want to fall away because I have fallen away before. I have left God for a time. I was hurt, and I was frustrated, and I was mad, and I blamed God, and I wasn't really being thankful, to be honest with you. I've done that before, and I never want that to happen again. So thankfulness is a key uh, to us following God successfully and to us not falling away. This, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, the constant tenor and spirit of our lives should be adoring gratitude, love, reverence, and thanksgiving to the Most High. I love that. That should be our heart. Random thought number three. I'm on the move. Forgiveness. All right. It's kind of weird reading off my phone, but it's faster, so bear with me. So Matthew, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. I like how you can just go right to it, though. That's kind of cool. Uh, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither uh, will your Father forgive you your trespasses. All right, Mark 11. Speed reading with Chuck. Mark 11, uh, 25, 25 and 26, and wherever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Okay, so now this is called the dad story, and I, I have trepidation going over the story with you, because my father is still alive, He's in Texas, and he may listen to this. <laughs> so dad, forgive me for telling this crazy story for you. Um, when I was growing up, my dad's actually my stepdad, which I never think of him as my stepdad. People say, oh, my stepfather, da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, wow, it must be really weird having a stepfather. And I completely forget that my, my dad's my stepdad. I don't even know my real dad. I never met him, right? But my stepdad's always been my dad. And I completely forget because it's been that way for so long. But when we were young, younger, I was a kid, a teenager. My dad was really hardcore, harsh, like mean at times. And he could be a great guy, but he really just yelled and screamed at us all the time. Uh, So much so that like when I heard that car coming up the driveway, I was like, oh, you know, what dad am I going to get today? You know, what's going to happen today? Um, So we fought a lot. And when I got saved around 19 years old, I still lived at home. And I had a lot to forgive him for. And, And he had stuff to forgive me for too, but he wasn't... He wasn't walking with God. He didn't know, right? So I had, God was working with me to forgive my dad, forgive my dad, uh, pray for your dad. And I prayed for my dad for a long time to get saved. Um, so here's, here's the dad story. I get saved. I told you I started going to church like five days a week. And uh, my dad had previously been really angry with me because I'd come home drunk and I'd break my curfew all the time. And I was just constantly, I wasn't getting in trouble, Trouble like I wasn't stealing or anything or murdering or, or running away from home, but I just was being a stupid teenage kid. So my dad would get really mad, mad at me and of course yell at me and I deserved that, right? Um, and I'd get grounded and all those kinds of things. Um, but once I got saved, then I started going to church all the time. And then he started yelling at me about that because You know, you don't need to go to to church for all those times. You don't need to go to church every night. It's like a cult or something. Ah, what are you doing? And he gets so mad, he like throws stuff across the garage at me as I'm trying to get in the house. I'm like, hey, you know. I'm like, dude, you used to get mad at me because I was drunk and being disorderly and stupid. And now you're getting mad at me because I'm being good, I guess. Really? So this went on for a while. And one day I came home from church. And when you come uh, into my old house in El Toro, um, there was like a kitchen, right, and then, but there was like a little room, and we had a TV there, and then we had the living room in the back, but oftentimes, my mom and dad would be in that front room, and so you'd walk in, and there's kind of a railing, and then on the railing, we would put all of our keys and wallets, so we wouldn't forget as we went in and out, and I would put my Bible there a lot, and for whatever reason this day, there was no room for my Bible, right, it was too big, I had a big Bible, sitting over there right now, actually. Um, And so I came in, and I'm like, oh, and I just dropped it on the floor. It wasn't in the middle of the floor. It was next to the wall. It was out of the way. But I dropped it on the floor. My dad went ballistic, completely freaked out. What are you doing with that? You don't treat the Word of God that way. And I'm like, really? What do you know about the Word of God? You are a godless heathen. You know, it was bad. (laughs) Me and my dad fought a lot, (laughs) right? But I was being, he was being nasty to me. I was being nasty to him. You know, and also a little self-righteous. Like, "What do you know about God, Dad? You know, and so he's yelling at me, and I'm yelling at him. And I, and I forget what we said back a long time ago. But it was not good, and my mom was, like, hunkering down uh, between us. And I just got mad. And I said, well, I told him to shut up or something like that. And then I stormed off into my room, and I slammed my door. And I went, ah, jerk. Can't believe that guy. What does he know? So immediately, I'm in my room. I'm feeling pretty good because I think I won that one, you know. I mean, I kind of guy got him, you know. And I hear God say, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? You saw what happened out there. I have this conversation with God all the time, by the way. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so I'm like, what do you, what do you mean, God? He's always being a jerk. He's yelling at me and he's trying to start a fight, which he was. And I, you know, I told him, like, the Bible is not a book. It's what's in the book that gets in you. And, you know, what he, you know, you don't agree with me now? He's like, no, I totally agree with you. You're totally right. He was being a jerk. He started a fight. And you're right about the Bible. Okay, good. We're done here. He's like, no, no, no. I don't like this. And I'm like, God, what are you talking about? This has happened every day in my life for like 17, 18 years. And now you don't like it? He's like, listen to me. You're trying to follow me, right? You love me, right? Yes, you know I love you, Lord. And you are trying to follow my word. Yes, of course I'm trying to follow your word, God. He goes, but you're being disrespectful to your father. And you live in his house. This isn't your house. Are you paying for anything in this house? I'm like, well, no. He's like, but this is his house. And if it offends him that you're doing that with the Bible, then why don't you just say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't know that offended you. And put the Bible somewhere else. But God, he started the fight, he's yelling at me, he's being a jerk, he's like cussing at me. Oh, come on, are you serious? You're supposed to honor your mother and father, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, so this lasted for about a good 45 minutes. Me and God kind of just going back and forth. And I'm like, well, okay, what do you want, what do you want me to do? What? What do you want me to do? I don't get it. He goes, I want you to go back out there, and I want you to tell your dad that you're sorry. And ask his forgiveness. And I'm like, you know there's no way I'm going back. No, no. I did not just get up and go like, okay, God, what I am. I was like so mad. Kind of like the waiter story, right? I'm so mad right now. And I'm like, I'm not going to go do that. He goes, listen, this is what I want you to do, and I need you to do it. And he would not let it go. You know, sometimes God will say stuff to you, and he'll kind of let it go, and then you'll revisit it later. No. He is on me right now. I want you to go, and I want you to say you're sorry to your dad. My God, this is stupid. I want you to go, okay, fine, fine, fine. So I begrudgingly open the door. And I take a couple of steps back and I gather myself and I walk down the walk of shame down my hallway to that room. And I look at my dad, and of course, what does my dad say? Hey Chuck, how are you? No. What do you want? <sighs> really? And so I, I had to gather, I was just like shaking, and I'm like, listen. I'm sorry that I did that with the Bible. I don't agree with you on that, but you know what? This is your house. I live by your rules, and I'm supposed to honor my mother and my father, and that was not honorable, and I just want to say that I'm sorry, and I ask your forgiveness. And he just looked at me like, are you drunk? What is What? And that was it. There was no no conversation. That I just kind kind of walked away and floated down the hallway and got in my room and I put on the radio or did whatever I did. and uh, I was still really upset about it, but I, I knew it was God. I knew that was God, right? Because I had been reading the word because I had been spending time with him because I knew His voice well enough to the, how He speaks to me, and that takes time to learn, but I know how God speaks to me. I know it. You know when I'm praying for you guys, if I have a word for you, I know that it's God, right Because I know I how to hear his voice that way. And that took time. And I had to seek him. I had to ask and receive and seek and find and knock and the door would be open. I had to do those things. So I knew that was God. And obviously it's his word, right? God wants you to honor your mother and father. So a few days go by. We don't talk about it because this is how we did it and, um, you know, whatever. And my mom and me are home and my dad's not home. And my mom comes to me. She goes, why did you do that? And I'm like, what? What did I what did I do? She's like, no, the other day, the other day when you said you're sorry to your dad, why did you do that? She's like agreeing with me, right? Um, and I said, honestly, Mom, I, God would not leave me alone. I knew I had to go do that and it's because I was not being respectful and that he didn't like that. And so I, I just did what he told me to do because I was trying to follow him. And she goes, well, I have to tell you something. She goes, you completely unraveled him. I mean, he was spinning after that. He kept asking me over and over again, why did he do that? What did, What happened? What just happened right now? Because we had been fighting angry fights for a long, long time. And when his, his dad, I found this out later, his dad was an even bigger jerk. His dad was really mean and physically violent. And he had been fighting with him forever. In fact, he kind of ran away from home to join the Navy uh, instead of going to Ohio State like he wanted to. an architect he ran away to join the navy because he thought i'm going to kill this guy his dad so you you completely unraveled him i mean it just stunned him like you just punched him or something i'm like i had no i don't i don't even know so here's the the kind of ending of that story i had been praying for my dad for a long long time to get saved and my friends were praying for him and my friends i'll tell you if you talk to them To this day, my dad was the last person they thought would ever get saved. They loved my dad because he would talk to them like they were his children and he would scold them, and their parents didn't do that. So they loved my dad, but they knew my dad was angry and could be violent and was just a tough guy. And they thought, man, that guy will never get saved. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. But shortly after that incident I just told you about, my dad got saved. My dad got saved. And I know that wasn't the only thing that factored into it, but I believe from God that that was a huge thing because I had forgiven him enough that I could make that walk down the hallway and ask for his forgiveness. And me asking a guy who's just lived in battle emotionally his entire life for forgiveness was so stunning. I think it opened this door into his heart where God can come in. And so my question to you is, what if I didn't do that? What if I didn't know God's voice enough to hear him? What if I didn't obey and go down and do what he told me to do? Now, I don't know. Maybe my dad would have gotten saved anyways. Maybe it would have taken longer. Maybe he never would have gotten saved because his heart was so hard and angry. What if I never did that? And I want to ask you guys, what what in your life could be different? What are you praying for? Who are you praying for in your life that could be different, that could be a change, that if you just spent that time with God, okay, not just on Twitter, spent that time in God's word and pursued him and were curious about the things of God and how do you hear his voice? How do I follow God? How do I know to do those things? And if you did that, what things could dramatically change in your life? I can tell you, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for my dad. I never thought he'd get saved. I I mean, I had a hope, but I never thought he'd get saved. What in your life could be dramatically different? What could be being held back because you're not spending that time and hearing God's voice and acting on it, right? We need to live a life where we act and interact with the word of God and with his Holy Spirit. It's not enough, and for most Christians it is enough, but I'm telling you it's not enough to come to church and go away and just forget about it. Not enough. God wants you to follow him like a good shepherd and he will lead you, and he will keep you from the stranger, the enemy, who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. That's what God wants to do, but it takes an interaction between you and his word and you and his Holy Spirit. It takes interaction with God and his word. I want to quickly just uh, say my last random thought was love. And this really bugs me too. I'm not just about, it's not about you guys in particular. I mean about the church in general. But I feel and I felt it for the longest time. There's just such a lack of true love. And I think I've told you guys before, I've met a couple of really famous ministers who you would all know if I told you who they were. Um, and, and there have been a couple I met that were great, and you could just feel the love of God, right? You just sensed, hey, brother, how are you, kind of a thing. And it didn't matter how big and famous they were. They were great. And I've met a couple that were just stone cold. There was one who ran a huge ministry. I used to go and do the phone banks at his ministry because my pastor was trying to get in good with him. And I would work the phone lines. And it was the most anointed thing I think I've ever done. It was amazing um, because you literally had people who were invalids and stuck in their beds calling for prayer. So God was there to meet their need. It was electric. It really, really was. But this guy, I'd never met him. So he, he's coming to my restaurant at the end of his life and because his son lived up there somewhere in Orange and he'd come to the back and have a bodyguard and all this stuff. And I, I never got to serve him. But one day I was walking out of the side station. And he was coming out because the exit was right there. And I said, hey, wow, there he is right there. And I kind of went to shake his hand. And I go, look, I don't want to bug you. I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I go, I just want to tell you, I, I used to work the phone banks at your ministry. and It was really powerful. And annoying. I just want to thank you uh, for that opportunity. It was really awesome. And he just kind of looked at me with like dead eyes and went, oh. Yeah, well, you should come by and see us sometime. And then he walked out and you think he died a couple months later. Uh, But clearly, and again, I I don't know everything about that man. I don't know everything about all these people, but I'm just saying, you know, when someone really has the love of God in their heart, you can feel it. And I can't tell you many times I walk through churches, different churches, including our church, but but other churches as well. I've been to a lot of churches. And there are people that I've met before and talked to them and went to lunch with them. And you walk, and you go, hey, and they just look away, and they're gone. And I'm like, wow. And I'm like, and for a while there, I thought, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe, it's just me. maybe I'm just, maybe I just suck. I don't know. <clears throat> but it's the love of God. And I don't have time to read it right now, but First Corinthians, which you all know, First Corinthians 13. It's a love chapter, right? But he talks about that if you don't have the love of God operating in your heart because you spend time with God, that you're like a clanging symbol. And I think Jude is the one who said, you're like a cloud without rain. You're like a well without water. You know, you're dying of thirst. You're back from this big hike. You, oh, there's a well. Oh, well, thank goodness I'm going to get water. And you pull the bucket up, and it's bone dry. A well without water. Clouds without rain. A clanging symbol, Empty. No matter. And it even talks about if you do all these amazing things in my name, but you don't have love. It's nothing. We need to be a people, a church, that people, when they see us, they just sense and feel the love of God emanating from us. Amen. When we look at them, we look them in the eye. Hey, how you doing? You know, one of the guys, the guy who married me and my wife, Andy, Ron Williams, uh, Matthew, and several other people here, know him really well. Uh, it was a great, great man of God. And any time I was around that guy, and he had been a big-time figure in Foursquare for a long time, but He was at our church that we were going to, and he was kind of an associate by then. But I swear, every time I talked to that guy, I just felt the love of God. And he would say, hey, how you doing? I mean, my funny story about Andy, I went to a men's camp with Matthew and a few others. And uh, we were with all the pastors, right, in the pastor's wing. And Pastor Ron Williams is sitting there, and he looks at me and goes, hey, what's up with that chick? (laughs) What's up with Chuck's chick? (laughs) Like, what? Andy's, yeah, what's up with her? You love her? I'm like, <laughs> Matthew's had this experience as well. Who's a Sheila chick? <laughs> you love her? You know, but he would just, like, he, you knew he cared about you no matter what. You didn't have to spend very long with him. You didn't have to be with him. a lot, But you knew this guy just loved you because you felt the love of God come out of this guy. We need to be that type of people. And there are many, many, many people in the body of Christ who have no love. None. Well, they go to church. What did Keith Green say? You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. It's true, right? We need to walk in the love of God and people should sense that from us. And we should be praying about that. God, I want to have your love and share it with these people because that's how people get saved. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not the severity of God. And people need to sense that goodness from us. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you and I praise you for this day and a chance, Lord, to share with your people. I love them and I want to see them grow. I want to see them be curious. I want to see them seeking you with all their hearts and I want to hear the stories that come from you touching their lives in such a way, you being coming so alive to them in their lives in such a way, Father, that it just changes everything around them and not everything's going to be a victory. There's going to be defeats. But Lord, I know I'm going to hear of awesome testimonies of your love and your power and your leading them, Lord, into victories in their lives. There is a hungry, hateful, dying world out there that needs us to hear you and to follow your voice. Help us, Lord, to be a church that does that. Help us to be individuals who do that. And don't just come and then leave and forget about it. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen.